and welcome to the Financial Planning Experience. My name is Jason Marabella, and I'm here with David Winchell. Hello, everybody. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the different service models that exist in the financial services industry. Many people call themselves financial planners, wealth managers, financial advisors, or even financial consultants, but what they do and the client experience they actually deliver can be very different. Before we get into it, I want to mention that ultimately the ethics and the competence of the person that you're working with, along with aligning the scope of your advisor's services with your needs is most important. I think it's also important to mention that our target market is very different than a firm that works with the high net worth. They have tax and estate challenges that are very different from those who we serve. That being said, having a conversation about the differences between advisors and the potential conflicts that do exist will empower you to make the best decision for you and your family. We do clearly have a bias. Um, We have a strong bias about how we think advisors should work with their clients to to provide the most objective, meaningful, and comprehensive advice possible. The model we advocate is called fee-only financial planning. Fee-only planners act as fiduciaries. This is the highest legal duty of one party to another. And since fee-only planners do not sell products like, like life insurance and annuities or take commissions, they can provide truly objective advice. Unfortunately, right now, we're in the minority. The way the majority of advisors are set up creates a headwind for you getting the most objective advice and a client experience that results in the best quality of life outcome. Yeah, I think that comes from how the industry came about. You had uh, insurance uh, that was basically peddling insurance products, and they needed a way to get people into them. So they would put together a financial plan to ultimately sell them on insurance. And the same, then the uh, brokers or the um, stockbrokers, they caught on to how they were doing it. And so they started doing the same thing. And then the uh, organizations came about and they started to beat on the craft, beat on the practice, 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 and eventually real financial planning evolved out of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, and this that leads me to my, my next point is, you know, the way advisors are set up is, is an industry problem. And as a whole, um, the, the industry is very investment centric, meaning most of the conversations revolve around how and how much you need to invest. Like we said in our prior podcast, financial planning is not just investment management. If, if you take one thing from this podcast, it, it's that. Um, there's much more to um, a real financial planning process than just getting your invest, getting invested. We blame this on two things. One is the marketing. The second is how advisors have traditionally been compensated. This, these two things have resulted in a majority of advisors, in our view, set up to address the more superficial and the most profitable aspects of financial planning. So the first issue uh, is marketing. And most of it, as most of you probably already know, it revolves around retirement. And the solution to your problem is to save and maximize the rate of return on your investments. This makes investments the focus. Focus. It has led to the belief by many people that investment management is financial planning, or even worse, if you don't have investment assets, then you can't benefit from working with a financial planner. The second is many advisors charge based on the size of your investment account. 
Again, putting laser focus on your investments. If you have enough money, you may get a financial planning as an add-on, but you usually aren't, aren't charged directly for it. During my career, I've seen a lot of uh, instances where advisors who do add planning as an add-on offer what we like to call financial planning light, where the focus is heavily on areas that can be monetized, investments and insurance planning. Planning becomes just a conduit to developing an investment recommendation or buying life insurance and other products, usually from the same advisor. This is a huge conflict of interest. Selling a product to fulfill the recommendation that your advisor just gave you is a bad idea in our view. We see it as actually the main reason why so many permanent life insurance and annuity contracts get sold to people who don't need them. Also, advisors who make investment management their main value proposition are more likely to be enticed what I like to call the the active management marketing story, even in the face of a huge amount of evidence that it's not prudent. Difficult to provide an evidence-driven approach when you're trying to sell people on the idea that you can do better than they otherwise could. They basically try to convince you that they can do something that you can't, which is predict the future. Unfortunately, nobody has a crystal ball. Well, I I think a lot of people have crystal balls, but most of them (laughs) don't work. (laughs) And uh, I have a good quote for summing that kind of thing you just set up. It's uh, It's in a book called The Little... Book of Common Sense Investing by Jack Bogle. He's kind of the founder of indexed investing. And it says, It's amazing how difficult it is for a man to understand something if he's paid a small fortune not to understand it. So these active management mutual funds are usually sold by people that are getting a kickback of some sort. It's not that they don't believe in them. Their belief is not proven by the numbers. The numbers don't lie; they don't outperform. Yeah, that's, you know, and and you know, maybe maybe it's not a kickback, but it's you know, through... yeah, not a kickback, but it, that's layman's terms. It's yeah, they get compensated for selling it. Yeah, yeah well, it, it, yeah, I, I I can I agree with that. Hi, uh, they get compensated more than if they were to sell a Vanguard index fund. Yeah, well, they at the very least they can rationalize a higher higher fee because if you can uh, sell the fact that you can earn a percentage over and above the uh, market return, mm-hmm. then clients will pay more for that, right? So, um, and then in my instance, I, I brought up that that if if you if you're leading with investments, then you cert- it's difficult to advocate for index funds because you know, people can go out and, or, or at least they think that it's, they don't have, there's not a good reason for people to work with them because people can go out and just buy the index funds on their own. Right. So they're much more likely to have that active uh, or use actively managed funds or um, develop a investment strategy uh, based on stock, stock selection or, or trying to predict the economic environment, the future economic environment and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the the last thing is advisors can only work with people who have investment assets to manage. You know, when you have the model that you're getting paid through the investment accounts, then the people that don't have investments, it's very difficult to serve them. 
Um, and since most people in America don't have much in the way of investments outside of the retirement plans at work, it's left a majority of people underserved, including, including younger people, who, who is actually uh, our target market. We work with uh, a lot of people in ge Generation X and Y. Most of our clients are under the age of 55, and that's not indicative of, a, of most uh, financial planning practices right now. The other thing is, is if, you know, the, the advisors that do try to go down and serve people with less assets, it, it creates a bad incentive to sell a commission-based product to make that relationship viable because they're looking for other income streams because the, the assets under management that they're being paid doesn't make the relationship profitable. So a couple of reasons uh, the industry is set up like this. One is no payments directly out of your bank account chances are you don't notice it very much. You know, when it comes out of your investments, the, the, these are assets that you're thinking about you know, that, that are for the future. Um, if it comes out of your checking account, that's, that's a much different thing. That's, that's impacting uh, you today. So, and also they, they get paid through the products that you buy to fulfill fill, uh, the recommendations. Um, it can, through the commissions, like if you, if you bought a life insurance contract or an annuity, they get paid a commission, which, which is kind of, you know, which is baked in the cake. So it can feel less expensive or even free. I've, I've worked with a lot of clients that feel like their financial planning is free. And that is never the case. I can guarantee you that uh, usually when it is free, then that, that indicates to me that there's a lack of transparency and a lack, there hasn't been a conversation, a fee conversation with that, that person for whatever reason. And with that model, they can, they can char usually charge more because you know, if, if the commission can baked in the product, then it's, it's not, the, the client doesn't feel it. So they can charge more. And also same, same goes for an investment account. If somebody really ran the numbers and charged one percent from their advisor, and maybe the the funds that they own are another one percent, they're getting you know their all in fee is two percent. Well, apply that to five hundred thousand dollars on a year after year basis. That's a lot of money. If there was enough transparency where they actually saw the the numbers, that could get people to change behavior, especially if it was coming out of their their checking account. You know, so it's it's not it's it's coming from those assets. So they people don't really feel it. And, you know, so it's, it becomes a, an easier sell and it's easier to service. So when, when an advisor says you pay me 1% of your investments and I'll take care of the rest, that benefit is quantifiable. So a lot of people, they're like, okay, you know, I, I agree to that. I'm going to get a lot more benefit than the 1%. With real financial planning, it's a lot more difficult because the benefits are intangible. So those quality of life outcomes are a tougher sell. Some examples, I'm going to organize and create your, a system for your financial life. Or I'm going to make sure that your behavior and habits map to, map to the life that you want to create. Those are things that are very difficult to sell. And as a result, it's, it's, a difficult, it's more difficult to market, even though you know, those, the, the outcomes usually are more impactful. You know, I, I, would, I would argue that whether you're getting 8% or 7% on your investments is a, relatively, a, a, rel a pretty superficial outcome relative to the potential of a real financial planning process that can be really life-changing. So how do we get people to focus on what matters or what we think matters and eliminate the incentives that create so, much, so many conflicts of interest? Our planning and coaching programs offer a process of what we think a real financial planning process should look like and a pricing structure that maps to your life 
creates those great outcomes and applies and, and very importantly applies to all people. It's our belief that real financial planning should be more about managing behavior uh, versus managing money. We look at it as much more of a coaching relationship where we're, we're walking through that journey with our clients that, you know, as they evolve, as things, as bad things happen, as good things happen, we're having those calls, you know, how can we make the best decision based on, based on what's happening today? And as your goals change, how does that influence the decisions we're making on an ongoing basis? Investing, investment management is important, but it's, it, it, when you look at it under that, with that perspective, it become investments become a much more ancillary part of it. It's it's just one piece, and that's the way we believe it should be looked at. For this service, we uh, our clients pay a monthly fixed fee. So just like any of your other bills, like a gym membership or a yoga membership, cable bill, cable bill. I like the analogy of the uh, the personal trainer where. Um, we're setting up. We're setting up the system. We're we're giving you the exercises. Um, we're walking you through the process, and you know you pay us for that ongoing coaching to kind of unlock your potential. Uh, so I, I I like the fitness trainer analogy. Yeah, it's a good analogy. So contrary contrary to the investment first mindset of most advisors, with us you can choose for us to manage your investments or not. Our investment service is an add-on to our financial planning service, which is kind of flipped uh, versus how most people do it. And we have a much lower fee than the industry average. So, and fees matter. So it's one. It's a. It's something that you can control. And if if you look at if you look at the numbers, the difference between a one percent and a two percent fee in your investments is huge. We 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 try to keep our fees as as reasonable. As, as possible and, and still make it so that we are being compensated for the time and the, and the liability that we're taking on uh, with that service. What are the reasons why well, we talked a little bit about the not, us not really subscribing to the active management marketing story is, as I put it. Um, so why would, why would you choose us to manage your investments? One, a closer eye on how they're aligning with, uh, with your planning goals. We have control and, and also your investment policy statements. So, Part of the planning process for everybody is creating an investment policy statement, understanding what how much volatility we can uh, we can handle and and why we're invested the way we're invested and how that maps to your goals and what you want to get accomplished in the future. So us having control may make that a little easier for you. Can can we step and uh, explain what an investment policy statement is to the people though? Oh yeah, some people might not know what that means. Yep. So an investment policy statement is a document that guides our investment, our investment decision. What we want to accomplish with the investment policy statement is to give you a good understanding of what the potential outcomes of your investment experience are. We get, we try to give you a perspective on if we went through another 2008 event, if we went through another 2013 type bull market, how would that portfolio react to prepare you emotionally for those outcomes so that you don't make an, an emotional decision once we're there? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a document to keep you on track. For me, I think it's the best tool that we have to, to put the client in the position and get them and put some numbers to 
the action, the potential loss that they could incur incur uh, through stock and bond investing. Yeah, because um, in a thirty-year period, it's not a matter of if we're going to have a pullback; <laughs> it's going to be when. Yeah, highly focused on the risk side. It's not so much focused on the return side. The market is going to give us the returns it gives us, but it's it's understanding the risk side. How much what you know? How much risk am I am I taking? based on how I'm invested. We look at it both on, for new clients, we look at it how, you know, we make an evaluation of how they're currently invested and what we would change. Um, and we actually sign the document. So we're both buying in to that, uh, to that investment policy statement so that when we do get into that, that, that we're in that moment where we're more emotional, the market's just gone down mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, you know, we're down 20%. We can go back to that, that document and say, we knew this was a was a potential. Let's try to have have some perspective and 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 move forward with the plan. Stay on track. And the last thing I'll say is most advisors won't admit this, but technology has made investing the right way a commodity service. Many advisors like to add complexity, rationalize higher fees, but real investing is simple, and technology has made it very easy. And so, if if you again, we're happy to manage your investments. Where you know, if you, if you want us to just take care of it, as a, if it's not something that that you want to uh, that you want to be bothered with, if you if you think your time is worth more than the fee that you're paying, or you just want the the peace of mind that you know we're controlling your asset allocation, we're controlling uh, everything from a service standpoint, and we know that those those things are aligned with what we're doing on the planning side, then that would be a good reason. Uh, to use us to manage your investments, but we're never going to sell the idea that we can beat the market. We can, uh, we have a crystal ball. We know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're never going to call you with, you know, that we think if somebody gets elected, we think you should sell your investments or we think the economy is going to be bad next year. So we think you should buy, you know, have more bonds in your portfolio. That's not a conversation we'll ever have. So that's, that's a difference. That's a very specific methodology that we don't share with a big part of, of the, uh, of the financial planning community. Yes, because I have lots of opinions, but half the time they're right and half the time they're wrong. There's just, there's no way to predict the future. And that's quite obvious. Yeah. And, and the the other part of it is maybe you do, you know, maybe people, there's a lot of people that go out and they try to speculate and they do well in the market, but what but usually what you hear is their wins. You never hear about their losses. And the other thing is you don't have to speculate. That You don't have to view the market as a game. You don't have to view the market as speculation. There is something specific happening in the market. What the market does is it provides access to capital. Businesses use that capital to invest in projects. Those projects are profitable, hopefully, and the economy grows and all you're really trying to do with investing is you want to participate in that process. When you start picking stocks and when you start thinking that, you know, making decisions based on your or an advisor's perspective on the future, um, you're introducing unnecessary risks because the market return added with the discipline of a, of a, uh, of a financial plan will get you to where you need to go without having to take those unnecessary risks. So, so, Above all else, if you were to just take out the conversation, active management or versus passive management, it's just not necessary. 
if if you have a 20 to 30 year time horizon it the history has shown that you, you you're going to you're going to take some drawdowns but you're going to be compensated for the risk that you're taking and the economy is going to uh, grow and you're going to participate that uh, in that uh, those gains over over a long period of time yes and that's historically 10% Minus inflation. It it depends on the asset class, so I think it's. Well, I was just referring yeah. to stock indexes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is it like? I think it's about eight percent for large caps, and you know, eleven or twelve for small caps. So it depends on the 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 risk uh, the riskiness of the assets. So risk and return are, are definitely related there. So, but in the in the aggregate. You know, if you get if you get eight percent or even seven percent, that's and you do that over a long period of time, that's 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 some good growth over over inflation. The thing I'd like to say is we, us taking, we don't actually ever take your money. It's uh, it's in a separate company. It's always in your control. We just tell you where to put it, or you know. According to the investment policy, we put it in the right spots, but it's never like in our bank accounts or anything. So we don't ever have control of your money. We can't liquidate your account in any way or anything like that. But bringing us on board as your investment manager, or we could call it a quarterback, we're just part of your money team. And we're quarterbacking your money, so we're running... You know, you may have a tax accountant or uh, an attorney to help you with uh, legal matters in finance. And we would just be helping you with your investments and anything else we can help you with in the money world or your world of money. If we can't, we seek outside help. If we don't have the knowledge, then we go elsewhere to find it. And we work alongside them, you know, to help all parties work together. So think of it as a money team and we're the quarterback. Definitely. Yeah. Part of, part of being a fee only advisor is bringing in those, that, that outside team for, you know, for service, for the areas outside of our expertise. So an example of that would be estate planning attorneys, CPAs, insurance agents, and other, you know, uh, other kind of more uh, specific uh, professionals in, 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 in with other issues of financial planning. So yeah, we are, we do act as the quarterback and that brings up a good point where, you know, what do we do when somebody does need life insurance and annuities? Um, we work with those providers. We work at an arm's length. We help you through that process and um, so that we can maintain objectivity. So we don't retain that. We don't service the policies. We don't, um, we don't get any additional compensation. The implementation process is part of our program. So in, in we feel like this combi- everything that we've talked about put together really creates a, a real financial planning experience that puts the client first and limits those conflicts that sometimes that, that exist in uh, some other models within the within the industry. Yes, there's always conflicts of interest. You're never going to eliminate them, but getting them to or getting them as close to zero as possible is what fee only does i believe that's why i went the fee only route yep exactly so i think that's all we had do you have anything to add before we close i think i'm good Uh, thanks for listening i'd like to thank everyone who downloaded or 
stream the podcast and other than that try and get back to you next week yeah and and i'll close with you know i we talked about last time where we wanted to provide specific action plans at the end of each podcast it's a little different these first three because we're setting the stage so there's not going to be you know specific action plans that that tie to any specific action Um, But in this podcast, what I'm going to do in the action plan is I'm going to provide all some resources on how to find a fee only planner. Um, I know that we're not going to be the best fit for everybody, but what I want to do is, is provide resources and so that you can identify where other fee only financial planners uh, are in the, in the, in our, in our space. So, um, so be looking for that in the show notes. I had one more thing to say. I, I did a little uh, speech at my Toastmasters meeting, and I closed with, uh, it wasn't a quote, but I've heard Jason say it a lot, and it, and it makes a lot of sense. It's, I implore you, or I, I would like you to give your financial life the priority that it deserves. Too many people do not give it the priority. Yep. So that's what I'd like you to do. Yeah, that's that's the first step. Make a commitment and uh, and set the you know set the time aside and and be intentional. That that's half the battle. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Henfruit FP. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Henfruit FP. We'd love to have you join us as part of our community. Um, and as always, we offer a free suite of financial tools on our website to get you started, get you organized, and to get um, what we call understand your financial reality. We're going to talk about these things in the context of the tools. So if you're going to be a regular listener of the podcast, I would recommend that you uh, sign up for a free account. You can do that by going to henfruit.com. Thank you and uh, appreciate you listening and take care. See you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.